Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everyone. I'm Scott Pianowski, cordially welcoming you to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Presented by Planters. Those guys have been satisfying your snack cravings for, oh, about 100 years. Andy Behrens is joining me today. We're going to do handicapping. We're going to do NFL preview. We're going to do fantasy, all that stuff. Andy, do you know what satisfies me today? The way Planters always satisfies me. Eggnog. It's something that I can't go near for 51 weeks a year. But give me some eggnog at this time of December, and it just hits the spot. Throwing maybe a little Christmas in Hollis. Yuletide season, fantasy championship week. What's better than all that? Nothing I like better after a maybe after a long run after a workout than a frothy glass of eggnog. Um, now it's it's a little too aggressively dairy for me. Um, I'm I'm generally out on the eggnog, but if it's being passed around, I'll have some. But I have to say, I'm not I'm not someone who's like mm, eggnog. Tell me more. Maybe you just need it. You haven't had the right ratio. You haven't had the right amount of bourbon or whiskey or, you know. um, I probably need to go like. Maybe you put some planters peanuts in that eggnog. (laughs) Has planters come out with with an eggnog uh, nut yet? I think I probably need to go like three parts bourbon, one part eggnog. And that might that might be a little more satisfying. Okay, so you you can decide whether or not we've been hitting the eggnog before we do this preview. Uh, We are (laughs) shuffling up our podcast schedule at this time of year. Andy and I are doing a betting preview today and a fantasy preview. We're going to mix those two things, uh, which will be kind of a synthesis of what we normally would do with the last two podcasts of the week. A little bit of a different schedule. Uh, We know that not everybody's in the fantasy championships. I know Andy is. Andy's got a big fantasy title game he's preparing for. So I'll try to give you some picks. We'll talk a little bit DFS. We'll just be a mix match. Mash, I can't speak of all sorts of things as we try to give you something to do as you're avoiding your in laws during the Christmas time. And of course, <laughs> our odds in this podcast come from our friends at BetMGM, and they've got that deal going for you if you haven't gotten in the game yet. New users can get $25 in bonus, $25 in bonus upon registration. There's no deposit required. You can use it immediately, and you also receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 with your first deposit. Check it out at betmgm.com slash yahoo and make sure to use the promo code sportsbook, one word. When you make that first deposit, the promo is valid for new users in New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, or Colorado. Must be 21 years or older in terms to apply. Andy, these people want winners. They want fantasy winners. They want gambling winners. Let's try to give it to them. 
what says Christmas can I just, Day? Can I just say I have to sure. I have to disassociate myself from the in-law comments. I don't know if they listen to the podcast. If they are, big fan of the in-laws. Love the in-laws. They're great hosts. That's fair. Um, actually, <laughs> my, my girlfriend's uh, mom, who we lost a couple of years ago, was was probably my best friend in Michigan. So uh, wow. hats off to, to Kathy Moorhead, who was a great woman. And, um, you know, this time of year was really fun for her and I, too, because we would just go on adventures and we'd go shopping and, and get these madcap experiences. It was kind of like whenever we hung out, it was almost like an episode of the monkeys or something. You know, we just, <laughs> just kind of do silly things. Next thing you know, somebody would be you know, walking down the street with a, with a bathtub. So uh, good times. And I'm sure she's looking down, having a good laugh at my expense right now. What a great one she was. <laughs> Let's get to Christmas Day. What says Christmas? Like Kirk Cousins in prime time. His, his receivers are swearing at him now, Andy. I don't know if you caught that. Justin Jefferson was a little bit frustrated with Kirk Cousins. So was I. Uh, the, the Vikings are at New Orleans on Christmas Day. Uh, New Orleans is a seven-point favorite over at BetMGM. The total is 51 and a half. And, you know, I'm struggling to figure out the quarterbacks. I, mean, I, I thought Drew Brees played very poorly in his return to action, although he made it cosmetically close late. As I said, Cousins was playing so poorly that, you know, his teammates were swearing at him. Uh, what do you make of this game on Christmas? First of all, I love that Justin Jefferson has arrived at the point where he can just cuss out his quarterback. And, and uh, you know, we just assume he's right because um, he's Justin Jefferson, damn it. And he's, he's the possible rookie of the year. Um, he's phenomenal. Kirk has been, um, you you and I were talking about it on the earlier podcast. I've got like a Kirk Cousins versus Jared Goff super flex choice to make. And I'm still going Kirk, even against a, a pretty frisky Saints defense. Um, this is, this is a lot of multi-touchdown games for him. Just just looking at his game log now. This is, this is like six of his last seven. He's thrown multiple touchdown passes. Um, he's not like, he's not an absolute clinic at all times. And again, it is a, it is a good defense that will get after uh, a good pass rush too. Uh, we have, we have a lot to fear from the saints, but, uh, these receivers are as good as it gets in the NFL right now between Thielen and Jefferson. So I kind of trust that, um, they obviously funnel the ball to those two guys. Uh, I like that too. So I feel pretty good about Kirk giving us a couple of touchdowns and like a, just outside the QB one range fantasy performance, which is probably all you need in Superflex, and not as much as you would need in uh, 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 you know a league with a standard configuration. Breeze, uh, Breeze is funny to me because he looked horrible to especially to open the game. Right, couldn't complete a thing. The interception was a terrible ball, um, and yet he did one singular thing in that game that was super encouraging. He completed a fifty-one yard pass nearly all of those yards in the air. And we literally haven't seen that from him in, in like three seasons. It has been a long time since he put the ball accurately uh, to, to someone in stride that far downfield. I honestly didn't even know he could do it. That like, that seems stupid to say he's Drew Brees. He's, he's in the discussion for the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not saying he's that, but he's in that conversation. Um, he, he hasn't he hasn't gone deep hardly at all this year, and he's been near the bottom of the league in intended air yards. And it was nice to see him air it out, and for that to work. Uh, he's you know he's he's down Michael Thomas, and that's a huge that's a huge worry. But but at least that part of his game was good to see. And uh, as he was doing earlier in the year, even when he doesn't have a a particularly good game, even when he doesn't have a game that passes the eye test, he still finishes with two thirty and three touchdowns. And it was fine for fantasy purposes. And I feel like now that he's he's sort of knocked some of that rust off, he can be even better against Minnesota, which has, of course, been a very friendly matchup all year. I guess my concern with Breeze is that we're at this golden age of running quarterbacks. 
Jalen Hurts, who we'll, we'll talk about later, you know, he's just exploded on the scene the last couple of weeks. Marcus Mariota had a relief appearance. You couldn't have started it for fantasy, but, you know, 88 rushing yards in that primetime game against the Chargers last week. And I'm just getting to a point, whether it be for fantasy, whether it be for DFS, that I just don't like to ride with a pocket quarterback unless I feel so confident that he's got such a high floor. And, and Brees for years had that floor in the Sean Payton offense. But it's just a second game back. I don't know how healthy the ribs are. No Michael Thomas. I think the rest of New Orleans' receiving group is, is kind of ordinary. You know, it's Emmanuel Sanders on the downside of his career. Uh, Jared Cook has been a really good player the last couple of years, kind of an upside-down career. But I'm not sure that Cook is somebody I want to play in a fantasy final. So I'm probably leaning out on Breeze. I would prefer, in a standard league, we only start one quarterback. I think he's just outside the cut line for me. Although... The good thing here, we, we like games with a lot of points, and we like teams with tidy usage distribution. And I, I think Minnesota and the Saints are not going to involve a lot of guys. There's not going to be the, the phone book box score where 11 players are targeted. At least I don't expect <laughs> that to be the case. And the total is 51 and a half. So they're expecting a lot of points here. Uh, I'm going to give my picks on this pod. You're welcome to jump in if you want. You don't have to. I'm going to lean the Vikings with the points on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, I like it. I can... You know, because the Vikings can put up points on anyone. Uh, I don't really worry about that. And and the Saints have obviously played a couple of tight games in a row and haven't won either one of them. Um, so it's pretty easy to see this as as something less than a, a touchdown. I kind of like that call. I will say, um, with respect to Jared Cook, who you mentioned there, uh, his like the key for Jared Cook early in the season when he was scoring a touchdown a week was was definitely Michael Thomas not on the field. And so I would give him. You know, I give him a better chance than than most uh, available tight ends at, at finding the end zone. It's probably still going to be four targets. You're not going to get any yards there. He may, it might be one of those weeks like Tunyon just had, where you get a touchdown and he still doesn't score ten points. That's possible. Um, but I but I do like his uh, his chances of finding the end zone here. The Saints are just a they make a perfect case for like team quarterback in fantasy, right? Like like if you could just get whatever garbage they give Taysom Hill, and you also get the Drew Brees stats, that'd be fine. But by the way, I don't know if BetMGM offers this, but if they have a prop where you can bet on Taysom Hill scoring a touchdown, I actually might bet on that because I think Sean Payton, yeah. with the world watching, he'd like nothing more than just to remind you that he's the Taysom, the Taysom Hill, um, you know, person who, who brought it to our lives. And I, bad on me, I played Irv Smith last week over some better tight ends. Um, I, I love the Washington quarterback situation. Spook me on Logan Thomas. I'm going to regret that. It's going to it cost me in my biggest money league. So. Um, the less we talk about Irv Smith, the better. So that's our Christmas game. Enjoy it. Let's get to the Saturday triple header. Andy Barons doesn't like these uh, these weeks with four different days of the week in play. We have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday games. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? I do not like the slow drip of fantasy scoring. I hate it. Um, I just absolutely hate it. And this is uh, we're talking about this off pod. I always ha- I got this little like bug in my head where I always want to have somebody going in the in the latest possible game in a week, which is a terrible process, which is like mm-hmm. you have to fight against that. You just want players in the best matchups, period. I just hate the slow drip of fantasy scoring. And if I happen to get a guy in like a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday game who only gives me 50 yards and no touchdown, then I'm thinking about it for two or three days. Um, it's just it's it's all kinds of bad. I want it all like I want it all all at once. I want a big smorgasbord of fantasy stats right in front of me where I don't have to think about it for 48 or 72 hours. At least we're getting the games. Boom, 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 boom. There's no gaps. The the thing that's so tough about the Thursday game is then you get a stew about it for two off days. 
And at least, you know, you whatever happens in the Christmas game, if it doesn't go your way, at least we'll get right back on the horse. Now, unfortunately, this first game, Tampa Bay at Detroit, the Bucks are nine and a half point favorites over at Bet MGM. The total is a juicy 53 and a half. As if enough hasn't gone wrong in Detroit, now we have a COVID situation where their coaching staff is in limbo. We don't know who's going to be available to coach. I mean, we, we may have a player-coach situation with Matt, Matthew Stafford on game day, for all I know. Uh, Daryl Bevel, who just uh, recently celebrated his 20th wedding anniversary, the interim coach, he's right now sequestering. He's, he's not with the team. I don't know what kind of practice week they're going to have. Of course, you know, it, it's been 2020. It's been a year of remote practices of you know, walkthroughs of, you know, this is nothing normal about this season to begin with. So maybe this isn't all that unusual, but I was originally going to take the Lions with the healthy spot. When I saw all this news, I'm just thinking, okay, I, even though Tampa Bay doesn't impress me, I thought they played one lousy half last week against Atlanta, and then they played one very good half. Um, so I, I'm going to lean Tampa Bay. And the main takeaway here is just this Lions defense. Whatever you want to do, they will escort you there. They're dead last in, in defensive DVOA over at Football Outsiders. They're 31st against the pass. They're 28th against the run. They stink against everything. So I would think any Tampa Bay angle you want to go with. I, I know some people might be worried that Rob Gronkowski is in a great spot because Tampa Bay, uh, the, the Lions haven't had the greatest. Um, their defensive resume has actually been okay. They've been allowing most of their points to other positions. I think that's probably a fluke. I don't think the Lions can stop anything. So maybe Antonio Brown's back in the circle of trust. Maybe Leonard Fernandez is a $21 DFS play this week. I think anybody you were on the fence with with Tampa Bay becomes an auto start at Detroit. Yeah, I was wrong about Fournette last week. Uh, he, you know, he had a he had a fine game. Um, he's in a great spot here against Detroit, as you say. Detroit is one of it's probably I guess there's three defenses out there: Jacksonville, Detroit, and Dallas, where just it, it's it's a green light for everybody uh, against those teams. They've just been that poor. I certainly feel that way against Detroit. I like Tampa's played some weirdly close games uh, against some teams that they ought not be playing close games against, right? Like that's happened all year, and sometimes they lose them, right? They lost to the Bears. A team that, you know, just on paper, you'd say they they, they have more talent at every spot. So um, I, I always expect Tampa to play a, a close game. I, I think the, the line in this game is a little bit out of control, um, given what we've seen from Tampa most of the year. Like, I, I get it with Detroit. They're bad. They're, they're plenty bad. Um, but Tampa's defense hasn't been what it was earlier in the season. Um, I'd be surprised if Detroit can't get a little something going. Uh, and if they don't put, like, I think Detroit's going to put up, I don't know, 21, 24. That's not going to surprise me at all. Tampa hasn't been invulnerable by any, by any stretch. And at least there's skilled players on the Detroit side we feel good about. I mean, Mm -hmm. Hawkinson's been a top five tight end all year. DeAndre Swift got in the end zone twice last week. And, you know, Tampa Bay, good run-stopping defense, but they actually struggle in pass coverage to running back. So I would think Swift could easily have a big pass-catching game. Marvin Jones has been terrific. With Kenny Galladay basically being unavailable for about three months now, I wasn't sure that Jones could do it as the number one, but he's actually been really good. So there is a case for Detroit maybe scoring 20-plus points in this game, which would make it hard for Tampa Bay to cover. I'm still going to take the Bucks anyway. And, again, any Buccaneer you want to go you want to go with, uh, even Antonio Brown, who I was dissing all into last week. I mean, I think he's in the circle of trust now, 593 and a touchdown last week. Roommates with the quarterback, which you know, always tends to help. Now, I know Brady's been spreading the ball around, and, and nobody had more than seven targets last week, but – if you want to go to any of the big name bucks again, you know what are you waiting for? If if the Lions matchup doesn't sway you, I don't know what <laughs> else would. 
Yeah. Here's a game I'm sure you're excited about. Uh, San Francisco at Arizona. Hell yeah, uh, I am. Cardinals are five and a, <laughs> uh, five point favorites. It's a 48 and a half total over at BetMGM. And as if we didn't have enough Iowa presence in the NFL, C.J. Beathard is going to get the start for the Niners at quarterback. So let's begin there. Is this the uh, the is history going to look at this as the beginning of the C.J. Beathard era? All I will all I will say about this is that I'm I I'm still shocked that they went with Nick Mullins for as long as they did. Um, and I know that there's like a corner of the internet and a corner of Niners fans that you know, like him over Garoppolo that like him generally. That guy's thrown that guy's thrown eight interceptions in his last five games. Um, he has been a turnover machine. He's thrown some of the worst balls that I've seen all year, and I can't believe that they went with Mullins as long as they did. And the only reason Mullins isn't playing here is that he's is that he's injured. Um, I don't I don't think Beathard's a world beater, um, but I I think he's a better quarterback than than Nick Mullins. I think he is less likely. I, I could certainly get burned by this because I don't think he's a spectacular NFL quarterback by any means. And I'm not even suggesting that C.J. Beathard is one of the, I don't know, 35 or 40 best quarterbacks in the world. I don't think he is. Um, but I think he's he's less likely to to commit the the total head scratching. I can't believe that dude just did it. Um, mistake that uh, that Mullins is. And there's a little bit of a rushing element to his game. He's not some elite athlete or anything like that. But there's a small rushing element to his game. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I just, I find it easy to root for CJ Beathard as somebody who rooted for him throughout his collegiate career. I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him close the season this way. It's not a, it's not a perfect matchup. I believe the, the Cardinals allow less than seven yards per attempt on the season. It's not a, it's not some great spot for CJ, not some great spot for the, for the passing game. Generally, I'm a little bit excited for Jeff Wilson. I'm starting him in a couple places. Yeah. I'm excited for Wilson too. You know, just to close the book on Beathard, Arizona, there's a lot of volume in Arizona games. They play at a quick pace. Mm-hmm. They move the ball well. It seems like Kyler Murray's shoulder or whatever it may have been ailing him has been healed up because he's played very well the last couple. He was exceptional in week 15. So I think this could be a game that could be you know, the 48.5 total. I think they actually might sail over that number. And you know, the way Brandon Ayuk's playing. You know, Br- Brandon Ayuk was nice enough to score a touchdown last week during Brandon Ayuk week where everybody in the FSWA <laughs> had to write something or say something nice about Ayuk. All merited. He's terrific. I think he actually might be better than Debo Samuel, and, and that's like scary to say that because I love Debo Samuel. Obviously, he's been hurt most of this year. But, man, this is going to be – if they can get the quarterback right, they're a little bit like the Broncos to me, maybe even a better version of the Broncos where I love the skill talent. Just get the quarterback yeah. right, and you're going to really have a nice offense. So I'm curious to see where they go. You like Jeff Wilson, and so do I. Let me just ask before we get out of this game, what's our trust level on Kenyon Drake right now? I mean, he was touchdown equity guy when, when Murray was backing off the running, but Murray's been a proactive runner the last two weeks. Drake looked a little bit dinged up last week. We actually saw Chase Edmonds get more touches and more snaps in that game, just a slight advantage to Edmonds, but he's a little bit dinged up. Now, too, is it just to be a case of, okay, it's the Kyler Murray show, or can you play Kenyon Drake with any level of confidence in a fantasy final? Yeah, I would say that the the likelihood of positive game script at least keeps him in the conversation. Um, the, the fact that Chase Edmonds got as much run as he did in a week when we thought he was banged up going into it um, was uh, w- was not encouraging necessarily for Kenyon Drake. So this is this is one of those situations where, you, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of the running backs that I have ahead of uh, uh, Drake right now. And it's it's most of the it's most of the guys that were available on waivers this week. Right. I, I like Le'Veon solidly ahead of him. I like Jeff Wilson solidly ahead of him. 
if we can if we can get the Cowboys running game down to just one guy, I like that guy ahead of him. Uh, there's there's a, lot, there's a lot of the field that I like ahead of Kenyon Drake. So I've got Kenyon Drake in kind of a flexible uh, uh, range versus a versus an RB two range. I I certainly don't think he's an ideal start. You know, the worst thing is for Drake. I think for me is that we've never had any con- continuity with him. I feel like every week mm-hmm. we have to have a Drake conversation. I'm just sick of talking about Kenyon Drake. I think they have a better running back in Edmonds. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury does not share that opinion. Uh, they obviously have a dynamic runner in Kyler Murray who, who runs like a punt returner. I mean, that, that guy's such a freakish athlete. I just like Kenyon Drake to be out of my life. I'm, I'm not really long <laughs> for Cliff Kingsbury either. I'm going to take the Niners in this game. It may not make any sense, but whenever I see a coaching mismatch i'm still a big kyle shanahan guy i know they didn't play well against dallas last week but you give me five points in a division game where there's familiarity i have to take the niners in this spot uh it's a huge game for arizona they're they're clinging to playoff position right Mm -hmm. the bears breathing down their necks uh it's you know they're they're only game ahead of chicago right now for that uh for that final playoff spot so it's hugely meaningful to them but i'm i yeah i'm i'm with you on the on the coaching mismatch um five is a lot Okay, so Saturday night, man, I, I really enjoyed that Marcus Mariota surprise start last week in, in prime time. Let's do it again, shall we? Uh, Miami's a three-point favorite at Vegas, 47.5 total. We don't know for sure, I don't think yet, that Derek Carr is out, but it sure seems like there's going to be a Marcus Mariota sighting. How optimistic are we? Is he, dare I say, uh, you know, if if you had Ben Roethlisberger say, as, as our French Frank Schwab does in the uh, Super League finals, <laughs> Okay, Um, he's thinking of benching Roethlisberger for Mariota. I have another league where I wanted to do that, and I was sniped on Mariota. I didn't get him in waivers. Somebody else had more leverage. That's what we've come to, Andy. People are outbidding other people for Marcus Mariota. That's that's the beauty of fantasy, right? You just never know who the Billy Volek's going to be, who the Drew Bennett's going to be. You know, um, just these guys who come out of nowhere. Are you believing this Mariota story? Well. Um, I, I think I think Frank's decision is more of an indictment of Roethlisberger than it is yes, a, an endorsement fair. of Mariota for sure. Because Roethlisberger maybe even an would, indictment of Schwab. <laughs> potentially, potentially, it is a twenty-team league, so I, I no, totally I'll, understand. I'll Great man, what, no, no better NFL writer I can think of today with, with quantity sure. and quality. He is just cranking out great content every day. For sure, he's he's fantastic. Um, really wonderful. Uh, uh, his uh, college football choices are highly questionable, but the uh, but the the pro football. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, no, this Big Ten, this Big Ten pettiness doesn't have to get in here unless unless it's bashing Jim Harbaugh, which I would. <laughs> well, do. you know what? The Wisconsin guys could just admit they're wrong, and then you wouldn't have to deal with the pettiness. I, I mean, anytime the the college football pack podcast with Wetzel and all those guys, they want me to come on and, and bitch about Harbaugh for 25 minutes. I'm available. <laughs> you know, in fact, I think, I think I live 10 minutes from Wetzel. Like I could even do it from his, you know, from a, a room adjacent to him or something like that. You know, it hey, could be wanna, socially distanced, wanna, but, but shared. If they want an Iowa music city bowl preview. I'm, I'm here for them. Uh, but uh, to your question on Marcus Mariota, I, I think I would play him over Roethlisberger this week. And that is, again, um, more about the doubt that I have about Ben and his health and uh, that overall offense right now. Uh, and oh God, plus the matchup against Indy. It is ugly. I mean, when, you, when, you, when your life and death to beat the Bengals and you can't even finish the job. And, and yeah. the sad thing is I needed stuff from that game. And they teased me. I got to the point where if that game got to overtime, I think I was going to bail out a fantasy game. And <laughs> rooting for, you know, it's so, it's so funny. You see that late possession 
and you're like, oh, you know, there's going to be a prevent defense. There'll be a couple of easy completions. No, no, no. Cincinnati's like, we're pressing all of your receivers. We're daring you to throw over the top of us. We don't think you can do it. And pretty much Ben couldn't. Yeah, no, I mean, that that would be the obvious worry is he, you know, as we were discussing with Drew Brees, we hadn't seen Drew Brees throw a ball 50 yards downfield with any accuracy in three years. You know, we certainly haven't seen it from Ben this season. Like, Ben used to be like the Ben Roethlisberger that I'm, I, I know we should be talking about the Miami Vegas game, but the Ben Roethlisberger we thought we knew would take six to eight deep shots a game. Like that was that was a huge part of who he was as a quarterback and what made that offense so fun. And like, you know, he'd keep a play alive for four seconds and he'd just launch it. And, you know, he had the receivers to, to pull it in. But like now everything is happening within five to ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, and that makes life really, really easy for an opposing defense, even for Cincinnati's defense. Yeah, he, anyway, he does not he does not want to hold the ball or wait for stuff to develop. He wants to get right. rid of it like it's a ticking time bomb. I mean, he wants to get that ball out of his hands as soon as possible. And it's made them very easy to defend. Anyway, we'll. we'll We'll pivot this back to Mariota. It can be difficult when somebody comes out of nowhere. Marcus Mariota plays a totally different style than Derek Carr. So I think it's safe to say the Chargers might have been ambushed by Mariota. They certainly hadn't prepared for him. Derek Carr doesn't run the ball proactively. Mariota had, I think, 88 rushing yards in that game. And he reminded, I think, a lot of us why we were excited about him when he came out of Oregon you know, with a Heisman Trophy in tow. I thought he should have been the first pick the year Winston went first. And yet... Now, Miami, a good defense, has time to prepare. They have tape on Mariota. So the question would be, you worry about, is there a pumpkin risk here? Is it the idea that, okay, great, he played well, you know, there's no pressure, you come in the middle of the game, nobody's expecting anything, nobody's prepared for you. Now you get a Miami defense, I think it's one of the five best, six best defenses in the league. You know, how much of a pumpkin risk is here with Mariota where he just totally falls off the map? Well, the thing that gives him a floor is the rushing ability. And you discussed sure. it earlier uh, about the idea that it's hard to start in, in this season. In 2020, it's pretty hard to start a quarterback who who, does, who isn't a rushing threat uh, to some extent. Like, can we get 50 rushing yards out of Marcus Mariota? That would make me feel a whole lot better about him. I think we can. Um, you can run against Miami. It is very difficult to pass against them. Um, Xavier Howard is pulling in a highlight interception absolutely every week. Nobody's playing any better in the NFL right now. So um, that's... I mean, that's rough. They are, a, they are a very difficult team to pass against. I would be, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the prop is going to be for Marcus Mariota's passing yards. Uh, I, I bet it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't bet him over say 190. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a huge day through the air. It's not a, it's not an overly talented receiving core outside of Darren Waller. So uh, I'm like, I'm not super excited about Mariota, but again, picking Mariota over Ben was just an indictment of Ben. Um, so I don't think, I, I wouldn't imagine there's a ton of points in this game. I've been I've been really impressed by by Tua over the last couple of weeks and like he just found a way um, last week with a couple of rushing scores and absolutely no receiving core whatsoever like mm. none nobody nobody that anybody wants to throw to in the NFL um, and he still found a way so that was really encouraging. Yeah, this Miami um, usage tree is very challenging. I, I had. Miles Gaskin on a bunch of teams. I had Salvin Ahmed on a bunch of teams. I had made the emergency pickup of, of Lynn Bowden. I had made the emergency pickup of DeAndre Washington the previous week and was waiting and waiting and waiting for clarity. Look, Brian Flores is from the Bill Belichick tree, right? You're yeah. not giving away any information you don't have to. I think they probably knew that Ahmed was going to carry the load. Although I thought even, even Matt Breida, I thought, looked pretty good last week. So here's the story. Uh, Gaskin is back at Wednesday's practice. It sounds like he's going to get off the COVID list. And maybe they'll have Parker. Maybe they'll have Kaseki. 
I thought Ackman looked really good last week. I want to play him against the Vegas defense. I mean, you know, this fired their coordinator, you know, 10 seconds ago. That's usually a bad sign for a defense. So I want to go full speed on Ahmed, but you know, Gaskin was ahead of him at Washington. Gaskin was ahead of him on the depth chart earlier this year. Do you have in your crystal ball a play in this backfield? Miami all season has has preferred to lean on one guy. And I assume that if Gaskin comes back, and as you say, he's already back at practice, so uh, pretty safe assumption that he's coming off the COVID list. They wouldn't let him on the field if he, you know, if he were still any sort of risk. I assume it's going to be him. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a committee. It wasn't really much of a, I mean, Brita had a nice day, but Ahmed got, what was it, 22 carries last week. I mean, it was mostly the Ahmed show. Um, and I think they want to lean on one guy. And I would imagine that would be, that would be Miles Gaskin with Ahmed in kind of a eight to 10 touch roll, which is just not enough in week 16 for me to want to start him. Totally fair. Um, I think the Raiders was a home underdog. Cause I, I just tend to, lean that way but John Gruden has given me no confidence to pick him so uh, that's not a game I'm going to bet on but you know in a, in a pool you have to pick every game so there's my lean let's get to the Sunday slate we already talked so much about Roethlisberger I don't think we need to touch on him anymore Indianapolis is now favored that's how bad Pittsburgh looked on Monday and how the, the Pittsburgh wouldn't look ahead line was a favorite in this game as you'd expect but now the Colts are favored going into Heinz Field Minus two for Indianapolis over at Bet MGM. The total's really low, 44 and a half, which I think underscores how dangerous this game is for fantasy. I know Pittsburgh's got all sorts of talent at wide receiver, but they don't seem to click with Ben. I'm not eager to play any of those guys. I kind of liked Benny Snell, the way he looked for maybe half of a game against Cincinnati. So if Connor's out, I guess maybe I could play Snell, but the, the Colts have a nasty defense. And I think Indianapolis is maybe the most boring good team in the NFL. I, I like Frank Reich yeah. an awful lot. I think Rivers has done a good job You know, for a guy who changed teams this late in his career. We've seen T.Y. Hilton have a renaissance. Zach Paschal out of nowhere had, had a couple of touchdowns last week. Other than Jonathan Taylor, I don't know anybody on the Colts against Pittsburgh. who's still a good defense, even with personnel losses. You could play with any confidence. I think this game, the 44.5 total, says everything I need to know. I think this is a game where 23 points will win it. 20 points might be enough, and I'm not playing most of the players here proactively. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm really nervous about what's going to happen here. I feel like the the sort of undertold story, and maybe this isn't true in Pittsburgh, but but certainly nationally, following the Monday night game, um, when so much of the attention was on what Ben couldn't do, didn't do, um, how sketchy he looked, whether he was actually going to get replaced at some point, always the focus is on the quarterback. I get it. Um, that, that defense allowed 27 points to Cincinnati and yes. uh, Giovanni Bernard was was pushing 100 total yards and found the end zone twice and he's not a special running back uh, like they've had some losses on defense and it's not it's it's not looking that great lately so like whatever whatever your early opinions were of Pittsburgh's defense and they were great um, you know for for the first half of the season um, it hasn't been that pretty lately and when Cincinnati does that to you um, and and like when Cincinnati is able to pick up, you know, meaningful yards and first downs late in the game when you kind of know what they're going to do and they're pushing you around a little bit. It's a really bad sign um, because Indianapolis can certainly do that to you. And Indianapolis has a has a running back who's been, you know, 90 yards a week uh, for the last month or so, who's really rolling. Um, we know they've got some talented receivers like they're they're facing a much tougher. I mean, Philip Rivers isn't, you know, it's not it's not a clinic at all times with Philip Rivers either. But he's a better quarterback than Ryan Finley. Um, you know, like everything's better when you're facing the Colts and you just got beat by the Bengals. I, I don't know. I see. I see why they're a why they're a home dog. 
Yeah, I think you make a great point because if Pittsburgh's defense was up to snuff, you would have thought they could have just gone to Cincinnati and won that game on defense. Just say, look, we'll play conservative on offense. Let's not give the ball away. And 17 or 20 points will be enough because they're not going to score at all. They'll they'll score three points or seven points. And, you know, as as you said, Bernard looked like Marshall Falk out there for, for a little bit. At least the good version of our, at least Kevin Falk, one of the Fox. <laughs> yeah, and, and Finley didn't. You know, Peter Cincinnati Falk. had some swagger in that game. Cincinnati didn't yes. feel. Yeah. If you watched that game, you would have thought, like, what was the spread in this game? Six? You know? Well, no, it was 13. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. I think anybody who had a Pittsburgh minus 13 ticket knew that that thing was dead in the water pretty quickly. I'm still, this may sound crazy. I'm still going to take Pittsburgh plus the two. As a respect to Tomlin, uh, the idea that they can maybe circle the wagons. And I don't think the Colts are all that difficult to game plan against. If Pittsburgh has any last kick, they want to avoid, they don't want to play Cleveland for the division. Cleveland can win this division now, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh still has a magic number of one, but because the game they play Cleveland next week, that kind of mitigates that a little bit. I mean, Pittsburgh is going to need to win this game or Cleveland would have to lose to the Jets, which is unlikely. So this could be Pittsburgh's biggest game of the season. I, I think Tom will somehow... Uh, and I know people would say, like, oh, you know, Cower will find a way. Chuck Noll will find a way. Dick will find a way. <laughs> I I have a lot of respect for Tomlin. I think if there's anything left, any last gasp left with the Steelers, we'll see it this week. I get it. Um, if Pittsburgh had a quarterback behind Roethlisberger, you know, if they had drafted their own Jalen Hurts, I mean, there would be – there would sure be calls to see him um, coming off that Monday nighter. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm watching that game thinking Duck Hodges looks terrible. Oh, wait a minute, that's, that's seven. <laughs> yeah. That's seven out there. So, Andy, let's try to figure out the Kansas City Chiefs. They've won nine games in a row, which is great, but they haven't covered since their Week Eight game against the Jets. Uh, the, the game last week in most shops was was a push, although some people might have had two and a half, which would have produced a Kansas City cover. They're back at home this week. They're spotting 10.5 to the Falcons, kind of the Jekyll Hyde Falcons. Some weeks they're okay. Some weeks they're terrible. Last week you get a little of both. Total is a robust 54.5. Is Kansas City just you know, kind of bored, just doing enough to, to, to win? I mean, I, I, I think we feel good about their offense. How confident are you with Le'Veon Bell? There's a, a sea change in the backfield at Atlanta. Let's, let's start there. Can you play Bell with confidence? Could a desperate fantasy uh, manager play Edo Smith? What are you doing with those guys? Oh man, I can't imagine. Honestly, I can't imagine playing Edo Smith in a in championship week. Like Edo Smith is that guy that you play to get through the buys. Um, he's a he's or a, a consolation bracket. He's a consolation bracket. <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. playing for fifth place. Edo Smith's your guy. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's like a week nine sort of bye week play to me. So I, I wouldn't want to do it here. Although, um, you know, Liz, something Liz and I talk about all the time. You can, you can certainly run the ball against Kansas City because Kansas City is well aware that you are not going to beat them by running the ball and you know uh, time of possessioning them to death. Like you just, you just can't do it because they're going to put up thirty against anybody. So they will give up rushing yards. So I don't know. If you need a guy who can get you to. 10 half PPR points, maybe Edo Smith is in the discussion. I feel I feel good about Le'Veon Bell in that he is now the featured runner tied to the Chiefs offense. I, you, you and I talked about it a little bit on the on the pickups pod. Um, this this version of Patrick Mahomes, not that he's so dramatically different from the Patrick Mahomes of two years ago, but this version of him isn't like he's looking downfield all the time. 
And and we do, it doesn't feel likely that we're going to get that, you know, Damian Williams stretch of games that we got over the final six weeks or so a couple years ago where there's a lot of short stuff to him. They, you know, w- Williams was only getting like 12 to 15 touches a game, but they were really productive receptions and they were leaning on him at the goal line and stuff like that. Now, you know, if if uh, it you know, if a play calls for spontaneity, if things break down and Patrick Mahomes is creating, he's looking 50 yards downfield. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Tyreek Hill five seconds to outrun the defense and it works. Or he's going to let, you know, elite separator, Travis Kelsey, get some separation. He's going to pick up 15 yards that way. Like he's just not looking five yards downfield to his running back. So I don't want to get, I, this is a very long way of saying, I don't want to get too over my skis on Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon is a good candidate for, 70 yards and a shot at a touchdown. I, I, you know, we would have said a couple years ago that Damian Williams in any given week could, could give us two touchdowns and 90 yards or something like that. I don't, I don't think that's in play for Le'Veon Bell, but 70 and a touchdown is probably out there. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. That's tempered where it needs to be. This isn't the slam dunk. It used to be, Oh, any starting Kansas city back. Let's, you know, let's go to the mat for him. Let's play him in DFS. Let's push, push him into our top 12 automatically. Those things don't Mm -hmm. apply anymore. And also, I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute this. Le'Veon Bell just does not look like the same running back in Pittsburgh that we saw. He, he never really got on track last year in New York. You can blame a lot of that on the Jets. But, you know, he's been with Kansas City for a while. I haven't seen anything special. And for whatever you want to say about the Falcons' defense, it is kind of a pass funnel. They're, they're fourth in, in DVOA yeah. against the run. They're 19th against the pass. I think the Chiefs, you know, they want to throw on everybody anyway. So Bell... I think he's got 15 touches in his back pocket right now. He's maybe got a 50-50 chance at a touchdown. He'll probably get right around the yardage total you were talking about. Totally reasonable middle to low end running back two, maybe a high end flex. That's not a bad thing. But there there may be teams who added Bell who don't have to start him because they have better running backs. I think that's perfectly in play as well. I'm going to take the Falcons to keep this game competitive. I, I guess that it comes down to what Matt Ryan we see. Because, again, we saw both Matt Ryans last week. He was really good. Actually, Ryan was good most of the game. But he was terrible the previous week against the Chargers defense. It shouldn't have been a challenge. Um, I don't think we'll see Julio Jones here. It's interesting to note that Calvin Ridley in the non-Julio games has just been a, a superstar. Calvin Ridley is always good. I think, I think he has 90 yards or a touchdown in every game but one this season, which is just remarkable consistency at a position where you never see it. But, yeah. um, you know, until the Chiefs cover, I know they're winning all these games in a row. Until they show me a cover, I'm going to have to take the points in this one. So what do the Jets do? They just won the Super Bowl. Oh, wait a minute. You weren't <laughs> supposed to win that game. You're supposed to lose to the Rams. And you're supposed to give 17 points to the Rams defense, which I needed desperately. Where were you, Jets? I counted on you. Well, now they're back at home. And they're a healthy nine-and-a-half-point underdog to the surging Cleveland Browns. Mayfield, Stefanski. Man, are they playing well right now. Total... It's just 46 and a half. Are you all in on Baker? Uh, we'll start with him. We, we talked a lot about him on Twitter this week. What, 15 touchdowns, two picks since they lost Beckham? So is this the Ewing theory all over again? Has is, is Cleveland finally figured out <laughs> what to do now that Odell Beckham's out of their hair? Yeah, I mean, Baker just went 27 to 32. Um, he's playing well. He's playing really well. Sure now. He he also falls into the trap of, you know, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, it is just really, really difficult to be a pass-only quarterback with no rushing element to it. And, like, they'll use Baker Mayfield to, like, you know, stick the ball over the over the goal line every now and then. Um, so there's a little rushing element to his game, but he's not, you know, in any given week, you wouldn't forecast him for 40 rushing yards or anything like that. That's not going to happen. So it's just, 
it's hard to stick a guy like that inside your top 15 at quarterback when you just don't count any uh, on anything on the ground. Um, so I'm not like all in on him. I think he's a great play in, in Superflex, obviously. He's a really good bet for multiple touchdowns. Could be three touchdowns in this game against the against the Jets. Um, I, it is hard. I, like, I can't imagine being a Jets fan right now. Um, I can't imagine because you've just made potentially uh, just a just a, a generational mistake by winning that game and it sucks that the NFL is like that it sucks that like we have to we have to feel terrible that our team wins a game it's only game of the set like it's terrible it, sh- it shouldn't be like that um it's bad but you took yourself out on uh on Trevor Lawrence who is just the clear number one and and a, a likely I don't know not to get ahead of myself but a likely multiple time pro bowler I would say and it's just Man, what a what a terrible feeling to go into the offseason with because there's there's no clarity on the number two pick and there's perfect clarity on the number one pick. Another thing I worry about with Mayfield is what if the Jets offense can't fight back for a full game and then it gets to very similar to the Giants yeah. game in the fourth quarter where Mayfield w- was on fire, but when they got to the fourth quarter, the the Browns knew they could just kind of run the clock out by being conservative, you know, relying on Chubb, relying on Hunt, relying on that offensive line, just working on the clock. So in a game where it felt like Mayfield could have thrown for 400 had he needed to, they didn't have to go crazy with the with the passing volume. Uh, there's actually another Brown player who I know you like here, but I'm going to save it for the nuttiest predictions. Uh, there's, a, there's a call here. <laughs> a non-obvious guy who I like a lot. So make sure you stay till the end of the show where we talk about that. Um, you know, the, Je- the Jets, if you can get this prop at BetMGM, they have scored on their first drive of the game eight straight weeks, oh, which is crazy. amazing. Yeah. Adam Gase is like the best 10-minute coach in football, right? I mean, <laughs> that first drive for the Jets is money, unfortunately. And now, now, look, they played well last week. You can't deny that. But the, the problem usually with the Jets is once they run out of scripted plays, the offense generally goes in the tank. Yeah, so give me Adam Gase for the first 10 minutes of a game and literally any other coach for the <laughs> for the finish of a game, I guess. I I should mention, um, really like Richard Higgins here, too. Um, he's, he's just had a terrific stretch. As soon as the Browns got out of that series of games in which they were playing in like Lake Erie monsoons. Um, Higgins has, has really turned it on. He's been great. Yeah, I agree. Very playable. And there's a, there's another chestnut we have coming later with Andy and the Browns. So make sure you stick around for that. We want to thank once again, our sponsor for this episode is planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving planters has you covered their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. Pick up some today. Andy, you're Chicago Bears. Get back on the bandwagon. They're in the playoff hunt, and you would think that would continue as they head to Jacksonville. We're in the, you know, they're in the uh, Trevor Lawrence hunt. They're trying to lose, you would think. Or they want to lose. They have Doug Marone coaching. That's kind of a sign you want to lose. <laughs> uh, Chicago's a 7.5-point favorite over at BetMGM. The total is 47.5. Mitchapalooza, what, 91 points the last three weeks? We don't know who the Jaguars quarterback is because Doug Marone is Doug Marone, or as I have written in the script because Doug Marone sucks. I'm going to stand by that. I don't think anybody – come at me, Twitter, if you want to defend Doug Marone. But we don't know if it's Glennon. We don't know if it's Minshew. Maybe Jake Luton will get back in the the mix. Take your victory lap. Uh, the, The Bears are just filled with league winners, right? Well, I can take the victory lap for a week. Um, the Bears' uh, uh, playoff positioning or their their playoff probability, uh, no doubt, comes down to Week 17, and maybe that's not as friendly as Week 16. But any matchup with the Jags is is super friendly. We mentioned them earlier, along with Detroit and Dallas, as as defenses that you can just 
you just do whatever whatever you want. You, oh, you want to run the ball? You want to you get five yards of carry, five and a half yards per carry? You can run against them. Um, you want to you want to pass for nine yards per attempt? You can do that against them too. I mean, they're they're among the they are literally among like the five most friendly defenses to every position for fantasy purposes. Um, they they absolutely give you what whatever you need. David Montgomery is on this crazy run right now. A lot of it driven by like he's gonna man he's gonna be such a trap player next year. I feel because he's fine. Like he's fine. He's a he's been a volume back for them. Um, a lot of that has to do with the Tariq Cohen injury, right? Like some of that receiving workload probably goes away next year. He entering this crazy stretch of games that he's had beginning with a super friendly matchup against Green Bay, continuing through like Detroit, Minnesota, Jacksonville. Like it's just nothing, but it's like a layup line of defenses over the final five, six weeks for him. You know, he came into that stretch averaging like 3.9, four yards per carry, nothing special, same as last year. But he's had the increased receiving volume, and then he's just had this incredible series of matchups. His numbers are going to look spectacular at the end of the year. You're going to think about him in round two uh, next season, and I just don't know that I can get on board with it. Uh, I think I probably can't. Um, But he's a great play here. He's a good bet for uh, another 110, 120 (laughs) yards from scrimmage. Good bet for another touchdown against Jacksonville. Uh, Let's see what else in this game. James Robinson dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury, but... Sounds like he intends to play, wants to play in this one. Uh, if he if he can tough it out, if he can gut it out, like what a hero that guy has been. Uh, he he cost you nothing uh, either either on draft day or after you know when, when you were picking players up ahead of week one. Cost you absolutely nothing. He's been spectacular all year. So like like the Jacksonville has a little bit of talent. Um, they could they could screw this up. I mean, it would it wouldn't be a screw up because they need to lose the game. But they could, you know, they could go back to Glennon, and then that wouldn't be so exciting. But like Gardner Minshew at least gives gives them a little bit of an element of danger because they do still have DJ Chark. They've got Chenault. They've got Robinson. This is such a good landing spot for a for a rookie like all world quarterback too. By the way, like this is such a great situation for Trevor Lawrence. I think I feel like the dynasty value of all these guys has really spiked um, now that they're in Trevor Lawrence position. Yeah, I feel like Lawrence is a good fit here. I mean, he's from the South. He's from Georgia. Went to Clemson. I don't know. I, I think maybe Jacksonville might might feel like a comfortable landing spot for him, where there is some good talent here. There isn't a crazy media that, that's going to be re- or a fan yeah. base. That's going to make your life miserable. You know, I mean, if he goes to New York, he's the savior. He's going to, you know, we we want to be good right away. We want to like a Miami Dolphins immediate turnaround here. Yeah. I don't know how realistic that is with that defense. Um, anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what yeah, happens Yeah, if he went to there. New York, it would be like, okay, we expect you to now be Justin Herbert. Go do that for us. Um, by the way, here's Rashard Perriman and Denzel Mims. And, <laughs> you know, just not the same quality receiving core. Not that I dislike those guys, but I hear you. Uh, and speaking of receivers, I like on the way up, Arrow pointing forward, uh, Darnell Mooney. I'm going to have some Mooney next year, even if it's only the the best ball stuff. That guy's always open downfield, and I'm just excited to see what he can do with another year of experience under his belt. You're listening to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, taping on a Wednesday, coming your way on a Thursday. It's a hybrid between our handicapping and our fantasy preview what would normally be our Wednesday and Thursday shows. We hope you're enjoying it. I'm Scott Pianowski. You're listening to Andy Barron's on the other side. New York Giants. Can we please get Colt McCoy out of my life? Uh, Daniel Jones was practicing (laughs) on Wednesday. It sounds like he'll be the starter. They go to Baltimore. You know, the Giants were trendy for a minute, but now they're 10 and a half point underdogs in this game. Yet the total is just a a kind of a tidy 45.5. You know, was it as simple for the Ravens as just, you know, they got healthier. And now Mark Ingram's out of the mix. They reduce their backfield. I always talk about this. When you can reduce a backfield from three to two, 
that's so much more playable for fantasy purposes. We've seen a lot of these rookie backs get more comfortable. Their second run through the league. J.K. Dobbins looked really good. I think the last few games, Gus Edwards always has touchdown equity. Man, he's hard to tackle. Although I do respect the Giants' defense, I think Dobbins and Edwards are in good spot here. Yeah, I don't like. That's one of those like real life versus fantasy questions because while giving Mark Ingram plenty of snaps, they were still the number one rushing offense in the league. Sure. Like I don't think they, I don't think he was handicapping them necessarily. I don't think he was really holding them back. Um, you know, they've always loved Gus Edwards. Dob- Dobbins are clearly a, a special player, um, hyper talented. And some of this is just like Lamar's gone nuts, right? Last three games. I mean, some of this is also just that they like Dallas got him right. They they got a game against Dallas. They put up a ton of points. Lamar rushed for ninety yards. Everybody felt good about him again. Um, and then the Cleveland game was just like the fantasy wise game of the year, as as fun as any that we've seen. And Lamar ran like crazy again there. Like he's, I, you remember it feels like a million years ago, but Lamar had picked up a little bit of a knee issue at some point in the season, the middle of the season. Um, but he just looks, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's the, I, like in my, in my view, um, he's the, he's the best runner in the league, regardless of position. Um, like, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of a running back uh, other than stylistically, Derek Henry's obviously very different and is a better runner, but like even, even more than Kyler Murray, you think? Yeah. Oh, I think he's okay. much better than Kyler Murray. Um, not okay. that like Kyler Murray's super shifty, but in 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 a kick returner sort of way. And if you get a hit on Kyler Murray, like you can really ragdoll tackle Kyler, Kyler Murray. Um, I, I think Lamar can can give a little bit of a hit. He's got a little lean to him, um, and he's just a super inventive, creative runner, um, blindingly fast. Like I, I think is that I, like again, including all of the running backs, I think he's just about the best running back in the league. And he is again leading the league in yards per carry. This is going to be two years two years in a row that he does that. Um, he's still got a shot at a thousand rushing yards. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just think he's a wonderful rushing talent. He's a weird quarterback, obviously almost never going to throw for 300 yards. Hasn't done it yet this season. He's usually below 200. And, uh, but I mean, we're, we've seen over the last three weeks, something pretty close to the, to the 2019 version of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's been fun to see that. And along with that, Hollywood Brown makes the splash play at the end of the Browns game. Mark Andrews started to finally look like Mark Andrews again. Last week, this is where I, you know, I said earlier, part of the story was just getting these guys healthy, right? I mean, there was yeah. there was a COVID outbreak that went through the Ravens, and they went through that hell of the week where the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game was rescheduled like four times, and it like, yeah. felt like every day of the week was a potential landing spot for that game. To get so far out of your routine can't help you, I, I don't think, either. So it's just, I don't have a lot of Raven interest. I, I do have a fair amount of Andrews, but it's just nice to see. Lamar Jackson back playing the type of football. You know, he's not going to win the MVP this year, but he's, right now he's playing at a, like a Pro Bowl level the last few weeks. If you're a football fan, you want to see that. And even though I do respect the Giants' defense, and we'll see if they get Bradbury back this week, it's just gonna, hard to imagine that they can stop what Baltimore has cooking right now. Is there anything on the Giants' side you could play in a fantasy game? They were all just so unplayable the last time we saw Daniel Jones, and I like I hope he's healthy because he he brings a little whatever he makes it a little bit better than Colt McCoy. Um, I don't feel like Daniel Jones is the next ten year quarterback of the Giants. I don't feel like he should be. I don't think he's quite at that level. Um, but who knows? I'm wrong about quarterbacks all the time. Maybe maybe he'll make the Josh Allen leap uh, in some future season because uh, I was certainly wrong on Josh Allen. So it's possible. But there's there's nobody here that I would want to start in a championship week matchup. At least Jones isn't boring. I just don't want to watch Colt McCoy anymore. He's At least not Jones boring. Can, I'll give can you that. Maybe, yeah. 
maybe he can get something going with with Slayton downfield. And, and man, how did Evan Ingram make the Pro Bowl? I mean, Rob, poor Robert Tunyon. You know, <laughs> he he beats Ingram in every, every eye test, yeah. every stat test, you know, every common sense test. And you know, I guess that maybe the Giants fans were you know, stuffing the ballot box or something. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Who he was stuffing the throw- ballot box for Evan Ingram? What kind of crap is that? Like he's been about as disappointing as any fantasy commodity this year. Like who's excited to vote for Evan Ingram? I don't get it. I hear you. I hear you, man. Uh, well, uh, speaking of Pro Bowlers, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and Houston Texans, man, uh, all sorts of stars on that on that uh, in this game. Although you got to give credit for Deshaun Watson, he's basically having a borderline MVP year with no help. I mean, he had. Will Fuller for, for most of the season, and that certainly was good. But just about everything has gone wrong for Houston, and, and just Watson is still just terrific week in, week out. Is Gio Bernard a little frisky? He looked pretty good last week, but maybe that was just the Pittsburgh defense losing all of its linebackers, having all of its personnel beaten up. If you're interested in betting in this game over at BetMGM, Houston's a minus eight favorite, screaming to be teased if you ask me, and the total is 46.5. What catches your eye with the Bengals and Texans? Yeah, I, like Gio Bernard is has suddenly become a, a question mark. I like I have to start him in a in a final in a sixteen team league, um, but I think he gets. I mean, he's thirteen dollars in Yahoo's daily game, so he's super appealing there. Um, I think he's going to get workload. We did we did see. I mean, he's, it was just a couple of weeks ago that he had like an early fumble, and all of a sudden it was Williams and Samaje Pirine, and it was a big old committee. And then last week against Pittsburgh, primetime, it's 25 carries. The guy the guy um, sniffs 100 total yards against a defense that's been really good against the run. So I, I think he's probably in line. Like, I feel like I've said this before on Geo, and he's been a bust. I mean, he's busted more often than not um, when gifted good spots. This is a great spot against Houston, though. Houston has had a very poor run defense all season. Um, nothing, nothing has changed lately. Uh, obviously, David Montgomery had a game against him a couple weeks ago. Like they're, they're just a really friendly matchup for him. So, it, I mean, if we think Geo is in line for eighteen or so touches, yeah, he's a he's a play. He's he's probably a top twenty fantasy back. Um, again, he's not my he's not my favorite runner, but at least he's somebody who is more or less impervious to game script. Um, so he's interesting in that respect. You, you mentioned Deshaun Watson having what what would be like I feel I feel bad for Ryan Tannehill missing out on the Pro Bowl to whatever extent players care about missing out on the Pro Bowl, but Deshaun Watson currently leads the NFL in yards per attempt at eight point eight, a huge number. Um, uh, yards per completion at twelve point five. Like Deshaun's got a passer rating of one ten point six. Um, De- Deshaun is having just a brilliant year. Um, with a receiving core that obviously lost its best player, you know, like, uh, I don't know, what would he have done with, uh, with new Copkins this year? Um, it's, it's really a shame. I mean, he's, he's well over 4,000 yards already. He's just having a great year. Um, an, an incredible year that is going to be entirely forgotten to history. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we're running a little bit long, so we're going to try to go tidier on some of these things. Just give me a sentence. Is David Johnson in the circle of trust? <laughs> no. Uh, no, he's not in the circle of trust. He's fine. He's a he's an RB two here, but uh, circle of trust is is a bit far. He saw a huge receiving workload last week, which saved his week. Give me the Texans minus the eight, and again, if you're a tease player, I think they're screaming to be teased. Down to minus two. Sunday late games: L.A. Rams at Seattle Seahawks. Seattle's a one and a half point favorite, forty seven point five total. I love two things here. I love the Rams. I love McVeigh in a bounce back spot after they look bad, after they're embarrassed. I don't know. Maybe they're looking ahead to Seattle all along, and they and they just showed you the, their worst version of themselves against the Jets. I also think this total is screaming 
because I don't think McVay wants Jared Goff to steer the offense. And I, I think Seattle's told you that they want to unplug the offense. Russ isn't cooking anymore. Yeah. I think Russell Wilson is somebody – you get to try to find somebody different. I'm not saying you have to bench him, but I would be very open-minded to benching him. Like, I can't even believe that some people were discussing like Hurts versus Wilson earlier in the week. That, to me, is a slam dunk. Give me Jalen Hurts. So um, what I'll give you here is I think the Rams circle the wagons. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what they do with their backfield. Maybe you can give me some clarity there. And I really don't want to play Russell Wilson this week. I agree with you on Wilson. Uh, this is still the best pass defense in the league, more or less, that they're that they're playing, even though they, they're kind of reeling after the, the Jets' loss, and they were a huge fantasy disappointment against the Jets. Like, I was, you and I talked about it on the pickup spot. I, I had just been banking on, I don't know, 15, 20 points from the from the Rams' defense last week Me against too. the Jets. We, we got, like, two. We got two or four. I forget what it was. It, hurt. it was bad. It, hurt. it was a bad scene. Um and obviously, this is a much more challenging matchup. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with you on Wilson, and I'm I'm surprised to have even seen Russell Wilson versus Jalen Hurts questions. Be- in part because Hurts's matchup is just so stellar, and this one is so rough. And I get he's Russell Wilson, and maybe you don't want to veer away from that. But it's something like six of his last eight games, or five of his last seven. I could be looking this up. I'm just lazy. Um, Russell Wilson has thrown either zero or one touchdown passes. Right? Like this yeah. is not what he was doing earlier in the season. Other than the Jets game when he threw four, he, he's basically been a fantasy brick for about six weeks. And the problem is they're winning games, right? When they go to yeah. Washington and win with that ugly game plan, they're not changing it. They're going to, you know, they're going to, I think both these teams are going to try to win with 23 points or 20 points on Sunday. So again, the under looks good to me and the Rams look good to me. Okay, we got to pick a, a really horrible Jalen Hurts pun. Is it, is it Hurts so good? Is it the truth? Hurts? Love Hurts? I don't, I don't know. I just know that Jalen Hurts has been a blast. I was so sick of Carson Wentz. I'm so excited to watch Hurts making plays out of structure. He's turning Greg Ward into a fantasy asset. Uh, Philadelphia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Dallas, 49.5 total. And Dallas has the same story, right? We're all kind of sick of Ezekiel Elliott. And then, and then Pollard comes in, short touchdown early, long touchdown late. He caught six passes. I don't know that if Zeke will play. He did have a limited Wednesday practice after missing all of the practices last week. But you know, really, if you told me if I can just get three hours of Jalen Hurts and maybe three hours of uh, three hours of Tony Pollard, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So Dallas's defense uh, last against the run. They give up almost 162 rushing yards per week, five yards per carry. They've allowed a league worst 31 touchdown passes. So I mean, what whatever Hurts decides to do, whether he's running the ball, whether he's throwing the ball, it's good. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be uh, productive. I think he's in for a monster week. Not going to surprise me at all if he's the overall QB one. I've got him as the QB two right now. Some of it is the matchup, and some of it is just that he's a wonderful dual threat player. Um, he, it, you, you mentioned uh, the comparison to Wentz. All those situations where Wentz would feel the pocket collapse on him, and he would just turtle up and uh, and go down willingly, compliantly. Um, Jalen Hurts is is picking up 12 yards. Jalen Hurts is is just is just running through the line and picking up 12 yards on on those same situations. It's just been a very different offense. He was he hasn't been super accurate as a passer. I feel like it was skewed a little bit last week because he had all those late heaves into the end zone that uh, that got batted down. You know, could have been a, a little bit more accurate day. His his ball placement when they get you know they get inside the 20 and he's and he's you know the the passes to Ward I thought were just darts. They were great. Um, so I, I just think he's a, a spectacular start here. Miles Sanders should be a spectacular start against a, a really friendly Dallas run defense. 
they haven't actually given like the only I feel like the only person who can derail Miles Sanders here is is maybe Peterson because um, they haven't given him 20 touches in any game since September. So that would be a small worry for me. Um, I would love to see more Tony Pollard, but the fact that Zeke practiced at all on Wednesday is a really strong sign that Zeke is going to play. And if that happens, I figure it's going to be like two weeks ago when they each saw like, you know, 13 touches. Yeah, it could be a 60-40. That, that could push me off Pollard. I think you really need Zeke out of the way. Give me the Eagles in this game. Uh, Denver catching three and a half at the L.A. I always want to say L.A. Clippers, but it's the L.A. Chargers. <laughs> I'm going to implore that you, you draft Noah Fant next year. If we can get Keenan Allen or Mike Williams uh, scratched, they're both great players. I think Jalen Guyton and or Tyron Johnson would be in play. These guys are yes. just splash plays waiting to happen. Obviously, Justin Herbert is terrific. I still don't trust Drew Locke. Uh, there's always a lot of skill guys I like on this Denver offense, but I feel like Locke kind of ruins everything. What do you make of the Chargers and the Broncos? Uh, Justin Herbert's a spectacular Justin Herbert's in that club of guys who aren't necessarily dual threat quarterbacks who you can still start because he's giving you 290, 300 passing yards per week, multiple touchdowns virtually, virtually every week. Um, I, I agree with you on the, on the two plausible pickups. If, uh, if either, you know, it's so difficult last week because clearly both Allen and Williams were compromised, weren't, weren't playing their normal snaps, weren't seeing their normal targets. Johnson really had a day, um, has looked good in two straight weeks. So this might be a situation where, I don't know, if Mike Williams like misses some practices and or is limited all week, I might still feel pretty good about Tyron Johnson um, just because he's been he's been so promising over the over the last couple. And you're like you're you're right on Drew Locke. Like Drew Locke is another one of those guys where I think he can be I think he can be a fun watch because I have no personal emotional investment in the Broncos like the he makes the bad plays that he makes are unlike other bad plays that quarterbacks make around the league. Like he's, he makes throws that you would expect from like a a freshman um, starting in, in one of his first collegiate games, right? He makes throws that you just simply cannot get away with in the NFL and, and nobody else does it like backpedaling back footed throws that have no prayer against NFL athletes. He still does that like twice a game. And it's just weird to see. Um, and so I wouldn't want him as my real life quarterback, but because he does so many things that you just never see in the NFL, um, I find him, I find him a, a bit of an entertaining carnival ride and he's still had enough games where he can support, you know, Tim Patrick, Jerry, Judy, whoever, um, Noah Fant, Noah Fant when he's, if we ever get a healthy season out of Noah Fant, it like, there's a shot at 1100 yards and like eight to 10 TDs. Yeah. I think he's a great chance to be next year's Hawkinson and maybe even a little bit better than what Hawkinson gave us. So. I'm certainly excited for that. Here's a game I want to bet on if we can get the quarterback right. Carolina's at Washington. Washington's minus two over at BetMGM. It's a 44.5 total. I just need Alex Smith back in the saddle. And I thought we were yeah. going to get this. And right before we went to tape, I saw that Dwayne Haskins, you know, studying the the game plan by the by the light of the jukebox by the <laughs> the uh, adult understa- you know entertainment establishment, was taking first-team reps – on Wednesday, to which I say WTF, WFT, Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> this, you do not want Dwayne Haskins. In fact, Logan Thomas is their emergency quarterback. I'm going to say right now, I'd rather have Logan Thomas playing quarterback in this game than Dwayne Haskins. Now, 
if Washington wins this game and the Giants lose, they'd win the division. This is a huge spot for them. They don't want to ha- have it come down to Philadelphia and maybe a sizzling Jalen Hurts in Week 17. They're going to take care of business here. I hope they can get Alex Smith back because I think if Alex Smith plays in this game, I think Washington sews up the division this week. If he doesn't play, if Haskins has to play, all bets are off. I benched Thomas last week for Irv Smith. I know it sounds really silly, but that's because I didn't trust Haskins at all. And I got to be honest with you, with the news cycle we've had since then, I feel like my decision was somewhat validated. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, like the Alex Smith injury didn't seem overly serious uh, going into last week either. So I'm surprised that this is still an open question. I hope it gets back to Smith. Um, I feel better, uh, obviously, about most elements of uh, most skilled players tied to the Washington offense, if that's the case. I should say it doesn't sound like, uh, at least doesn't sound to me, like Christian McCaffrey is going to go this week, which is a real bummer if, like, I don't know, maybe maybe nobody made the finals who uh, drafted Christian McCaffrey. That's entirely possible. I but we think, might get Gibson. Uh, it sounds like Gibson was practicing on Wednesday, so Washington was- may get him back. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then it's always problematic when you're when you're talking about a player coming off like a, a, a turf toe injury, right? Turf like toe, a toe injury sure. like this. That's um, a nagger. Usually compromises someone's ability to go, you know, uh, left and right. And, and But he's a great player. I'm going to have a difficult time sitting him uh, if he goes in this one. I, I have Antonio Gibson on one team. In fact, it looks like I'm going to be faced with an Antonio Gibson or Jeff Wilson decision. One of them a thrilling runner in a great matchup coming off an injury and Jeff Wilson, kind of a boring runner um, yeah, in a great, in a great spot. So I've got a few days to figure that out. Yeah. That's why they paid the big bucks. Uh, if Smith gets the call, <laughs> please bet Washington. And even if he doesn't, I think that defense, by the way, the, the Washington DST, uh, 37% right. rostered as we tape that man, I, I think you should pick them up so they don't beat you. So they're not thrown against you. That that's how good that unit is. It's also the so, rare case where you get like a streaming defense that is actually great. That does that doesn't happen too often. Usually the streamers that we find are, you know, they're they're kind of sketchy and they have a good matchup. Washington has game records. Yeah, they have game records indeed. Uh so here's where I'm gonna lose the, my big money game of the week. My opponent has too many Packers and this Tennessee at Green Bay game, the total is fifty six and a half. So there's going to I know Green Bay let you down last week, but they're going to make it up to you this week. Uh, the Packers are three and a half point favorite at Lambeau. The total 50, even in today's pinball NFL, 56 and a half is a, is a big number. Green Bay defense, not so good. Tennessee defense, flat out terrible. I, I cannot wait to, to push play on anybody here. I, I don't even think people really need advice. I, I think your main guys are in play yep. and you know sit back and watch them go. Yep. Start them all. Um, Tennessee hasn't been held under 30 points in any of their last five. Um, so I actually like, I think the offers in play here, right? It's a, it's a crazy number, but it's, I, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if this game ends 38 to 34. I mean, that's like every Tennessee game lately. So that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, start, this, this is just a start your dude sort of game. Heaven help you if you're going up against Rodgers. Devontae Adams, after not scoring last week, I mean, he, what do you think? 159 and two? I mean, he's yes. going to go crazy. And Tunyon's Tunyon, already in the Tunyon end zone. has scored in five straight weeks. Like they're yeah. not even they're not even good weeks. Like he has all these like you know twenty yard, forty yard games, but he gets a touchdown in every damn one of them. Yep, I don't think there's much more to say about that game. I am going to take the Titans because I respect their coaching staff and their offense, but I think this, I think somebody's going to need to score thirty five to win that game. Now for something completely different: Monday Night Football. I mean, the Bills are playing good football. They're minus seven at New England, fresh off their AFC East. 
title. Congratulations, Buffalo. 1995 was a long time ago. Of course, they're still playing for seeding. Uh, they'd like to be that number two seed, although it's not as valuable as it was in past seasons because the number two seed has to play the first week of the playoffs. Josh Allen would probably come in third in the MVP vote, although you know the way it's structured, he may not get any MVP votes, but he's had a terrific season. We know he's an easy play. We know most of the Patriots you'll want to run away from. Tell me this, Andy. Is there a Buffalo running back you can get behind? And is there anything on the New England side of the field that you feel is playable? Yeah, second question first. Uh, that's going to be a hard no. Uh, not in the fantasy finals. Uh, I can't. I can't see much reason for hope. It uh, like Sony Michelle was fine last week, but this does not feel like a Sony Michelle week. I, I, there's, you know, we're not going to have positive game script for New England. I can't imagine trusting any of them. Somebody might find the end zone. Somebody has to score New England's lone offensive touchdown here, I suppose. Um, but I'm not going to try to guess at who that is. I don't want to start any of them. Um, all your bills are in play. I like Josh Allen has had such a chip on his shoulder. In addition to being so good this year and and having become just an absolute revelation and made like maybe not even he hasn't just like leveled up he's like multiple levels up um he's been great and i expect them to i don't know it, it, i don't i don't even know what number they'll get to i i feel like the the total in this game is 45 and a half and most of that is going to be buffalo um uh, it feels lopsided to me if there's a, and I think Buffalo has convinced us over these last two games that when they, when it comes down to it and they have to just run down clock with a lead in a, in a postseason game and, you know, December, January football, they can do it with these guys. Um, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary probably aren't going to get the ball at the goal line because Josh Allen has eight rushing touchdowns this year and he's been their sort of goal to go runner. Um, so you can't get that excited about Buffalo's running game, but both Moss and Singletary have been productive over the last couple. So um, good for them in real life, but it's not it's not a, a particularly rosy picture in that backfield for fantasy. So with a, a nod to our great friends and sponsors over at Planters, Andy, let's give the people what they want. They want nutty predictions. It is the nuttiest time of the year. So let your hair down. What's, uh, what's something unusual that's going to happen this week? I don't even know how nutty it is to suggest that a, a tight end facing the New York Jets is going to go off because it's been happening absolutely all season. The Je- I just want people to know that the Jets defense has allowed 13 scores to the tight end position so far this season. They're, they've basically given up the equivalent of Travis Kelsey uh, in, in terms of tight end production on the year. Austin Hooper gets him this weekend. I am guaranteeing a touchdown for Austin Hooper. He just had one last week. He's he's now seeing four, five, six targets a game. That's going to be plenty against the Jets. He's going to find the end zone. You think about some of the tight ends that have that have reached the end zone against the Jets. It's not like some murderer's row. I mean, Kelsey has done it. Waller has done it. But so has Mo Ali Cox. Um, so has Adam Shaheen has made two end zone vis- visits against the Jets. Um, Jordan Reed two end zone visits against the Jets. Like it's not a it's not a murderer's row. I think Austin Hooper has a great chance to score and finish as a top five fantasy tight end. I like that. Very actionable too. At fifty two percent rostered, fifteen dollar DFS play. If you want to get involved in that way, and, and you know the Jets defense, they even gave an adrenaline shot to Tyler Higby last week, who had yeah. just been invisible for about two months. He was back to, dare I say, 2019 version of Higby. So the Jets will ail everything for your struggling tight end. Get Hooper in there. I'll give you a couple of predictions you can go to the window with. I think Marcus Mariota, if starting, is a top 12 quarterback, which means he's a quarterback one in fantasy. Great super flex option, but I'd even play him in some standard leagues. I, I may even play him over Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's nutty. 
And Greg Ward, we don't think of the slot receivers generally as big touchdown guys. He's got three touchdowns since the Hurts experience took over, including late in the game at Green Bay. I think he scores again. He's only 4% rostered as we go to post in Yahoo. So maybe he's a flex what the heck guy. Uh, $15 in DFS. I was hoping he'd be in the $10 to $12 range. Maybe $15 is probably the right price for Ward. But I may try to squeeze it in anyway. Just another way to get some Jalen Hurts exposure. And what's more fun than that? So there's some nutty prediction for you right there. What can you say? We're a little bit nuts. Thanks again to planners. Keep the cashews coming. And remind you, at home, wherever you are, stay satisfied with planters. It is the nuttiest time of the year. Andy Barron's. If you want to get nutty with podcasts, we have a lot of those over at Yahoo. You might have heard of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Charles Robinson, worst commissioner ever, but he's a really good uh, NFL writer. <laughs> Therese Paler, uh, in, I believe he's in the championship game against our friend Frank Schwab in the Super League. So have a fair fight, guys. You know, first team to 130 wins. And if you like college sports, the Yahoo Sports College podcast is outstanding. The three-man weave of Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our old friend Pat Forty, now at Sports Illustrated. Those guys have been doing their thing for a while. They do it well. Get social with us, Yahoo Fantasy, Scott underscore Pianowski, Andy Behrens, our producer, Ragu. He's R-A-G-H-U, not R-A-G-U. He's a producer, not a, a can of spaghetti sauce. He's a great man. Keeps us on the air and sounding great. He welcomes start sick questions, ideas, hate mail. Uh, send him your demo tape. Uh, Ragu <laughs> wants to hear from you on social media. One more thanks to planners. Again, keep the cashews coming. Have a great holiday season, our friends. And uh, Liz and Matt will be back with the Monday morning recap to talk about your glorious run to championship glory and all the picks that you made, all the money you won from the Andy Barron's touts, the leads, the, the, uh, the gun guy leads have been revealed on this show. Straight cash, homie. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.